Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Alana Snow. Alana started out as an announcer for rural Alberta top 40 country radio stations. Since then, she obtained her certified associate in project management designation through PMI. She's realized that she has a passion for efficiency, processes, and executing projects. Her current focus is on contracting out her services to small businesses and startups to support them in building a solid foundation as they scale up. And now I'm going to hand the microphone over to Alana as she has a conversation with Kelly McBroom. Take it away, Alana. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Alana. How are you? I'm good. So, um, Kelly, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. And I wanted to start out by talking about how you were on the Canadian Alpine Ski Team. But also, I just want to um, pop in with a little story first about how we actually know each other because we grew up together. Yeah. And so I was a competitive cross-country skier full-time. It's an endurance sport, very technical. And do I remember this correctly, that your main focus was downhill skiing, right? Yeah, well, yes. (laughs) But like two very different sports, right? Like downhill skiing, you have to be very strong for short periods of time. And um, yeah, like that's a good way to describe downhill skiing, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Short burst of time and, and sprinting versus cross country, which is super endurance. Yeah. So Kelly, Kelly would, when there wasn't a downhill ski race, would just show up casually to a cross country ski race and then dominate the field. She always beat me. And it was just, I'm like, this should not, this does not make sense. This should not be possible. How is Kelly such a good athlete? <laughs> Oh, thanks, Alana. <laughs> I just want to say it I was... have personally been beaten by Kelly McBroom <laughs> multiple times. Oh, we had so much fun, though, back in the, the Nordic days. Yeah, pretty funny. And then Alpine racing really took over right after that. Well, yeah, and then you went off, right? And then you became um, quite a good skier. Would you say Canadian Alpine ski team? Yeah. I turned turned a couple times, <laughs> went red blue, <laughs> went really fast, got really injured a couple times, and then <laughs> here we are. Um, so from the ski team though, so let people know. So you were on the ski team, um, but you were also you were coaching, you were going to school, and how did this all sort of your journey into what now is you? Um, at Neo Financial? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And it, it is a very uh, roundabout journey. I always tell people that my career has taken as many turns as I used to do on skis, where <laughs> I was constantly turning. Um, so when I was on the national team, I went through a ton of injuries. And, you know, really, there comes a time in your career where you need to pick a, make a pivot. And I came to that realization after I blew my knee, came back, and then broke my leg. And at that stage, it was like, okay, you have two options, Kelly. Do you want to walk for the rest of your life, or do you actually want to continue to ski race at this level? Because I was a speed skier on the Canadian ski team. A little dangerous, a little crazy. Uh, Living life in the fast lane has always been absolutely (laughs) where I excel. Um, 
but at that stage, you know, there came a point where I knew I had to make a change. So I actually pivoted and decided to go to school. So I, instead of accepting Canadian school, I actually went and raced NCAA in the States. And that's where I got my degree. I went to Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana, lived down there and, and really refound my love of the sport. And I ended up retiring on such a high note where, you know, I'd really figured out where I wanted to go in my life and, and had another direction to go, which is always important because I think a lot of athletes don't really know where they're going to end up when they retire. And you know, I definitely took me some time to figure out, okay, well, where do I actually land in the real world outside of sport? But I was, I was well on my way. Um, so after I graduated, I actually moved down to Colorado for a bit, lived down there, did some university recruiting, spent a year um, not in an athletic realm, but also uh, just living and not it was my first year as a non-athlete and my first year at work. And it was so much fun, but I actually had this crazy, um, this crazy goal that came up through university. So <laughs> I came up with this idea to actually start a company called Big Dumps in university. So the whole story there is that um, my professor, well, first off, I had all these weddings to go to when I was in university and being a, a student and had not, not having much money, I didn't really know what to get my friends as a wedding gift. So I thought, okay, what does everybody need? And what is something that would be hilarious for a wedding gift? And they're all skiers. So I made them ski pole plungers. And I said, congratulations on taking the plunge, have a plunger. Yeah. And they loved it. <laughs> I, I, they're, they're, they're amazing. So I was on the Instagram and one of them, one of my favorites is it's the Royal flush and there's just diamonds all along the handle. They're hilarious. Like each one is more hilarious than the next. It's so funny. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with that. And you know, that was my first, I, I called myself an entrepreneur and that was my first foray into entrepreneurship. And you know, it was the best thing, honestly, the best thing I ever did. Um, and, you know, as I was going through through that experience, I then leveraged that into a master's, did my master's in management, innovation and entrepreneurship at Queen's University um, after I coached for a little bit as well. And then uh, I ended up working for the League of Innovators and was the market manager there and then landed at Neo Financial after that. It's crazy. I love to. So you were saying to to me earlier that. Um, what was so valuable about big dump plungers is well, and what you did your master's on was had to do with scaling up a business, right? Is it scalable? And yeah, let people know what you learned about with big dump plungers, you know, is this scalable? Is this a good business model? Right. And you had it on Shopify and it was you, you were a one person business. Yeah, yeah. So big dumps, you know, it's it's pretty funny when you start a business that you really use absolutely every avenue that you possibly can. You know, anybody who's entrepreneurial can get really, really creative within the constraints of not having any money. Um, so I started big dumps with $150 and I went out and I just started selling plungers and didn't know was anyone going to buy these things was there even a market for toilet plungers turns out everyone needs a plunger but it really depends on how you position it and how you market it and so i went to markets and i did a ton of in-person interviews and i actually just did selling i went to farmers markets because that's the best place to actually see a lot of people come by your booth 
and you can really you know adapt your pitch very very quickly because you have 10 seconds to capture um, people's um, attention you have 10 seconds because that's when they walk by so I figured all these really creative ways I had like plunger games I had toilet games I had things for kids where I could then talk to their parents anyways it was probably the best way to apply my marketing degree give me give me because I give me an example of say I come to your booth what what would you have said to me <laughs> I would give me <laughs> could you do that pitch me now absolutely so um, typically people would walk by and they'd be going through markets. So imagine you're at, a, you're at a farmer's market. You walk through, you're like, okay, we've got scarves and soaps and jewelry and fresh fruit and veggies and toilet plungers. <laughs> <laughs> and I had this massive sign that said big dumps. And I had this, everything was all snow and ski related. So big dump plunger stands for three things. So first off, big dumps of snow, big dumps of you know what, and then also saving things from the dump. So all of my branding and marketing related around those three things. So saving things from the dump, everything was recycled and upcycled. What I did is that I'd go out to ski hills, golf courses, hockey arenas, thrift stores, anywhere, and I would pick up waste equipment that would typically end up in the landfill. And then I would upcycle it into plungers. As a business, that was pretty good because I actually leveraged waste material that, and then monetized it and I would get all my inputs for free. So I was able to do this on a very uh, shoestring budget. I bootstrapped my business, as I like to say, because I always imagine ski boots and I'm strapping them down. Um, but then I also would brand it so that it would all make those connections. So when you're walking by my, my booth, I had a toilet out front, so that would capture the eye right away. Um, I'd have plungers everywhere, and I typically would like, you know, say something like, eh, like get your big dump or um, sometimes I'd be so bold and ask someone, you know, do you poop? And they would just stop in their tracks. And this was all to be, it was all marketing. It was all branding. It was all like capturing um, someone's attention in a very short uh, time period and time frame. And then I would start jumping into the, you know, the waste, waste management and how, um, you know, these are all plungers and I tell all the names. So like the big dump, I'd have the hole in one, I had the Royal Flush, I had, you know, everything from the stinky wicket to the deuce. And then I had the Zampuni and yeah, so I had about 14 different plungers in there. Well, and the hole in one, that's the one with the um, golf, right? A golf po post or what golf do you call club, it? Yeah. Golf club, <laughs> yeah. has the handle, very funny. Yeah, and so what I did is I mixed humor in with a functional item and I just branded it. Um, and I went on to, you know, I sold quite a few, quite a few plungers. I think I, and in all I think I sold 6,000 plungers over three Christmases because they're gay gifts for people. They were never meant to be serious. They're hilarious, <laughs> hilarious items. And what I learned from that was, you know, A, how do you start a business? B, how do you sell something? And C, you know, every aspect that you're doing when you run a small business is the same thing that you can do at scale. And is the same thing that, that, you know, we've repeated at Neo. You know, you think about how do you sell an item? How do you actually sell something to someone? How do you articulate a vision? How do you uh, build out a company? You know, how do you take everything that you do as a small business owner, but you just do it with a lot of people and at, and at scale? Interesting. Yeah, and you were saying that um, 
like the skill set of pitching one-on-one to people is something that you use in your job at Neo Financial in partnership of literally having to go into these small businesses and sell them on a technology that doesn't even exist yet. And how do you do that? What does that look like? Yeah, you know, when you think about, you know, how that experience is translated into my everyday role, it's when I joined Neo. I joined pretty early on. I was sub 20 employees. There was only three of us on the partnerships team working underneath Jeff Adamson. And the team that built, scaled, and sold Skip the Dishes is the same team that's building Neo. So they had a playbook. And what they found in in building Skip was it's always repeatable. It's the same thing that I found with plungers. You know, it is a repeatable process. The things that you that you start a business is all very similar processes. And when we started selling Neo, you know, obviously you have to talk to your customers and you have to talk to um, people. And that's how you get really quick feedback on your pitch. That's how you get really quick feedback on your business model. And that's how you can actually implement um, customer feedback into your business. So what we did is we actually pounded the pavement. So the three of us, Barrett, Ryan, and I, we took to the streets in Calgary and we went and we talked to, we were talking about the other day, I think we ended up talking to just under 2,000 businesses in Calgary Wow! on really just articulating Neo. Now, I will preface this with, we didn't know what we were talking about. We were learning and we were trying to articulate a vision. We were trying to distill a very forward thinking idea down into very simple principles that anyone can really grasp onto. And the hardest part of selling a vision and selling something that doesn't exist yet is just that. How do you take something that's so pie in the sky, distill it down into very simple terms? And when I look back to my experience with big dumps, you know, it's, it's very different. You look at a tech company and you know, we're, we're building a financial institution from the ground up versus I had a, a table of plungers that basically sold themselves where, yes, I would add humor and yes, I would layer in that, that personal interaction, but I had a very tangible product. Now, when you translate that into the tech industry, you're selling something that's pie in the sky that doesn't exist yet. What did you find was the the thing that you would say to companies or, or to small businesses that would finally make it kind of click for them? Or I don't know if we've actually have found that. I, I don't think there's one silver bullet. That's the thing when you're, you know, Neo is so many different things to so many different people. Because we're not quite marketing, we're not quite loyalty, we're not quite rewards, we're all of the above. So what we look for is how do you take maybe something that exists in the market that people can actually understand and help them relate to that? Because when you are relating what it is that you're doing with um, something that they're doing. So something, when you're articulating a vision or you're trying to sell something, you always want to make sure that you're putting yourself in their shoes. Same thing for a business. You always want to have empathy with the user. So how do you put yourself into their shoes and what are they thinking? What are their pain points and what problems are you solving for them? Because that at the end of the day, if you're solving a problem for them, then they're more likely to come in and join. So for us, what we always try and seek out are what are the specific problems that every person is experiencing? And the problem that a restaurant is experiencing is different than a pharmacy, is different than a gas station, different than a grocery store. It's very different than a fast food restaurant, very different than a quick serve restaurant to a sit down to maybe even a fine dining location, as well as a retail store. They're all, they all have a multitude of problems. 
And that's what makes NEO so unique is that we have very different value propositions to each and every one of those markets. I love that too, though, that you just, you went out and you, you sort of figured it out as you went, like you were, it's now become this really big company, but you just figured it out as you go. I think there's, that's what I'm learning in life too, is there's a value to just not being ready, not knowing and just, but just doing and getting something out or trying something and doing something. So, yeah. And, and really just taking that leap. I think, you know, that's something that when I did my master's at Queens, that was something that we really hit on a lot was, you know, in tech, it's so easy to over, you know, come up with something and then, you know, you're just going to micromanage it. And this is what I found even my, in my own business when I was starting big dumps was I was terrified to put myself out there. And I was, I thought I had to have everything perfect before I brought it to market. When in reality, that's the complete opposite thinking that you should have. You need to go MVP. So minimum viable product. What is the what is the cheapest, quickest way for you to get something in front of your potential clients or customers that you can then iterate upon? Because your early adopters are exactly that. They're early adopters. They're the people who are more likely to adopt technology quickly. They're people who are going to be okay with dealing with issues and bugs as you start to really grow and as you start to figure stuff out and you implement their feedback. Early adopters are also more likely to give you feedback that is so valuable to, to building something that's really meaningful and impactful. So when you look at providing value to people, providing value to the users, you start with an MVP, you start with something cheap and you do it quick and you just get it to market and you go as fast as you possibly can and then you continue to layer and listen to feedback. And that is something that we really hit home in our master's program at Queen's. So at the MMIE program was all about empathy with the user, get an MVP, but then also really listen to your customers and solve problems for them. When even you were saying, yeah, talk a bit more about your master's program, because I know some people get their master's and, and, and sometimes you think, is that really applicable in the real world? But you were saying... No, this was an amazing master's program. Anyone thinking about entrepreneurship or business that you found this life-changing? Yeah, I did. So the master's that I did was at Queen's. So it's the Management Innovation and Entrepreneurship Program. And I think any program that you go into, you reap what you sow. So you get out what you put in. This program was all about assessing the market for value. And how do you, how do you look for opportunity? You know, growth mindset was number one, entrepreneurial mindset, as well as how do you actually either come up with an idea and found it and, and build a team to actually build out your idea? How do you either scale your idea, which is where I came in with an existing business? I look to scale it. How can I scale? And then the third would be corporate innovation, where you actually start a startup within an, within an organization. And a lot of the principles we learned are, are very similar to what we've done at NEO, where you know, obviously, you know, NEO is such a massive idea and we are building a bank from the ground up and we will be changing the lives of millions of people and really giving, listening to our, listening to the customer and building a customer centric bank in Canada, which when you look at the, at the financial industry in Canada, it's run by legacy systems and, you know, the big five have held 90% market share for I don't even know how many years, but it's it's pretty incredible to look at the value that we can create. 
And when I think about my experience in my master's that, you know, everything that we went through, everything that we learned was really setting us up to step into the world of startups, which, you know, it's funny, this is going to sound very naive, but when I was running my plunger company, I did literally everything on my own. I didn't know that there was resources. I didn't know that there was opportunity for entrepreneurs. I was, I was at a stage where it was just me. I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. I think it's amazing how many, um, resources there are for startups in Calgary. I was quite surprised. Um, the rainforest being one of them, of course, there's lots of opportunity for people who want to get involved in startups, who want to grow their ideas. You know, there's anything from accelerators to incubators to something like Harvest Ventures, which is an actual co-builder where there is a multitude of resources, whether you're looking at Platform Calgary and Startup Calgary, who just combined forces. There's also, yeah, like I said, Harvest Ventures. And then there's also a program like the League of Innovators, where I came in while I was doing my master's, I actually ran, uh, was the market manager for Alberta. And that's really focused on democratizing entrepreneurship for uh, young people. So youth under the age of 25, and how do you give them access to entrepreneurial mindset, but then also, you know, an accelerator where, you know, you can actually take an idea and build it and, and start early because young individuals like myself, when I was younger, I didn't even know entrepreneurship was an option or tech. I didn't know the tech industry was even an option in Alberta for me. Yeah. Do you think, yeah, cause I agree. And do you think, do you think kids now who are say 18, 19, are they more aware that there's tech industry out there and they're more entrepreneurial? Oh, I'd say so. I think, you know, you look at anyone from how many influencers are under the age of 15, you know, in many ways, I think, and then tech is at everyone's fingertips. Of course, it's becoming more of a norm, I think. And it's, I'm happy to see that it's starting to be really heavily involved in the education system. And, you know, you look at entrepreneurship and, and providing jobs in the prairies and, and keeping people in the ecosystem, especially in Calgary and Alberta. And as we look at, you know, growing out of a larger tech industry here in Alberta, and as we try and, you know, build global companies here and, and really create that tech ecosystem, I think, you know, it's pretty exciting to see that now tech is actually being regarded as as a career stream, which to me is exciting. And I wish I'd had that when I was younger. <laughs> well, and because did you, did you intend to go into tech? Because how did that no, happen? Not at all. <laughs> not, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no. Honestly, when I was, uh, so shortly after coming home from the States, so when I started my plunger company, something that, um, you know, someone gave me some really good advice when I was starting starting my business, it was, do not get rid of your, it, your, what was it? Don't, don't get rid of your original source of income until you have enough to actually live off of and give it your all into your business. So I couldn't obviously live on my plunger income. So I coached and I gave back to the sporting community and I actually coached in the winters and then I would run plungers all summer into Christmas. And I created that life where I, you know, I was able to make a decent living while I built up my plunger empire. And 
you know, through that, I learned so much. Obviously, coaching is just one of the best things you can ever do in terms of learning how to communicate. So I know, Alana, you and I were chatting about this earlier. How do you, you know, translate experiences that you've had into what you're doing now? And when I look back at coaching, I had no idea that I was that I was actually learning how to articulate concepts, very, very, um, very technical concepts and distilling them down into simple terms. That is coaching where, you know, you can like, especially in ski racing, you can feel when you're coaching, like you can, you can articulate, be like, yeah, you just have to do this. And then someone on the other side won't technically understand that. So in any kind of education capacity, you have to change how you articulate what it is that you're trying to say so that it lands with that individual person. Same thing in partnerships, same thing in communication, same thing in any relationship that you have. So, you know, when you, when you look at that experience and how it actually does tie in to the whole, it's pretty funny. That's crazy. I love that too, because I think more and more people are going to be in Calgary transitioning into tech and just thinking, you know, take whatever you have and coaching, for example, is helping you in your job in tech. Things are transferable and to always be looking towards that. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when you look at past experiences, it's funny. So at Neo, we actually have quite a few ex-athletes on staff. So on my team, it, like just our specific team. So Jeff Adamson, who is one of the co-founders, he is an ex-Olympic wrestler. We have Jesse Lumsden, who is um, CFL player as well as three-time Olympian in bobsleigh. And then we have uh, Barrett Martineau, who was also Olympian in, well, he was a Nordic combined um, athlete. And then he is, was also a skeleton, Olympic skeleton athlete. And then myself, ex-national team, Alpine racing. And the amount of skills that transfer from sport into tech is unbelievable. And it, it's pretty funny. I was actually talking, yeah, I was talking to Brad Spence, who is one of my old teammates on the national team. And he um, is pretty high up at Benevity, obviously being, you know, Calgary's tech unicorn in the last couple of weeks, really big, big news for Calgary. Um, but he was telling me he has this hypothesis that high level athletes do very, very well in tech because we a know how to work hard and also know how to, how to operate in a very fast paced environment that is constantly changing sport. As you know, Alana, it's, it's dynamically changing. You are, you never know from one race to the next where you're going to be. You never know, you know, you could perform one day and then the next day you could do the exact same yeah. thing. And then you just have a terrible then, day. Yeah, exactly. And then always trying to constantly evolve and improve and, work on the tiny details over and over and over again. Yeah. And be coachable. And be coachable. I think that's something else when you look at, you know, what translates from sport into the real world. It's you are coachable and you are also highly competitive. So, (laughs) you know. You, 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 you in particular. (laughs) Um, Kelly, Kelly is the most loveliest person, but yeah, very unassuming, but very competitive. (laughs) Yes, yes, I'd say that. That's pretty accurate. We'll crush you in a race. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I'll try. Maybe not these days. I'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah, I love that so much that it's it's so crazy too, because in this conversation, I feel like we've jumped back and forth and back and forth. Like everything just 
I, you know, I, before this interview, I thought everything would be kind of linear, but it, it, you know, it's so crazy how, oh, then this ties into this and this ties back into that. And, oh yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Oh, sometimes you can take different turns and you never know where it's going to lead you. But you know, when you look at a career in tech and, and moving into the ecosystem and getting involved in in what's actually being built in Calgary and in the prairies, it's pretty exciting. And, you know, it, it's, you have to jump at opportunities, but I also thoroughly believe that you create your own luck and you create your own opportunity. And anybody who's thinking about getting into entrepreneurship or thinking about starting an idea, I would say just jump in and, and start. And it might not work. That's something that athletics definitely taught us as well was you might fail. As an athlete, I failed every single day. So I wasn't as scared, you know, but if you jump in and, and you take as little risk as possible, like if you're doing your first business and you're just wanting to get into learn, like I did with plungers, I did it as cheap as possible. And I turned a profit in a month and a half. And then you can start to grow from there. You know, that's all the MVP that's testing. That's making sure that you're doing a lot with a little and then leveraging that experience into something else. And that's something that I, I, I feel like I've done quite well. And I'm very grateful that I've landed where I am. Yes. And speaking of which, I feel like this is a lovely place to end it on is the big news with Neo Financial this week. And yeah, just your cl cl closing thoughts on, um, yeah, where things are today. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously this week, Neo announced our Series A announcement. So, you know, really exciting news for Calgary, but then also piggybacking on the news of Benevity, you know, hitting a billion dollars. And, you know, we've had lots of, of big news in tech coming up in Calgary. And then also Boast AI also raised a Series A and announced it in the last couple of weeks as well. You know, the Calgary ecosystem is starting to take off and we're starting to get noticed across the world, which to me is very, very exciting. And, you know, as we look to grow NEO and, and we'll be, we'll be, we, we are available nationally now, which is very exciting. So, you know, this marks our ability to really launch and scale across the country. And in order to do so, we need a team. So if anybody who is thinking about, you know, maybe you're involved in tech, maybe you want to get involved in tech, you know, there's lots of opportunity happening in Calgary. And if you are someone who's thinking that, oh, yeah, okay, NEO is definitely somewhere, somewhere that I'd like to work, then please reach out. We are hiring for over 76 roles right now uh, as, we, as we take over take over Canada. It's a little wild, um, but it's very, very, a very exciting time. That's exciting. And I do feel like um, being, seeing the way you talk about NEO on um, your LinkedIn and with the news this week, I, I noticed that there's probably a difference between someone that works at a bigger company and, you know, something, some big news happens. They're like, oh, it's sort of mediocre, but I don't know. I just I can feel you oozing with pride. And I just sort of imagine everyone is so excited. And if you were allowed to meet in person, it'd be high fives and <laughs> Lots of, that's how, that's how I imagine it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Distance vibes. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of joining a startup. You know, everything that you, all the work that you put in, you get to see it actually either changing someone's life or creating value for people. And, you know, I was 
like I said earlier, you know, I was lucky enough to join when there was nothing. And now we actually have two products in market. And now we're scaling across the country. And for anyone who's who's excited by the opportunity to build something from the ground up and create immense value, then you know, joining a place like Neo, getting involved with any of the startup ecosystem in Alberta, in Calgary, anywhere, you know, this is a very exciting time. And I'm the kind of person that I like to feel connected to what I'm working on. And being part of a startup and a fast growing startup is exactly where I excel and where I thrive. And this is something I had absolutely no idea when I was running my plunger company that I was going to go through this transition and end up where I have. And I feel very, very grateful. I love it so much. Thank you so, so much for being on the podcast with me. It was so lovely chatting with you. Oh, Alana, it's so nice. After all these years, we will go cross-country skiing one of these days. Distance at a distance. At a distance. We will go cross-country skiing. Yeah, I would love that. Um, well, thank you again, Kelly. Thanks, Alana. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.